I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. This is Jason Roundsville with the Pope and Young Club. I have, as always, my co-host, Dylan Ray. And today we have a very special guest, Sean O'Shea from Alberta, Canada. And Sean is the brand new world record, non-typical American elk record holder. So, Sean, welcome. Welcome to the Pope and Young Show. Thank you, guys. I appreciate being here. That's, uh, did you ever imagine yourself being a world record holder? Uh, no, not even once. Not even once. Tell yeah, us, no. tell us about. You know, I, I have to say, it's um, you know, being in the hunting industry and especially in the archery side of things, you always, I always get you know, pictures from people and texts or emails, and a good buddy of mine that lives in Alberta, Kevin Lastrid, he actually sent me a text with with a picture of your bull, I think right after you took it. And he says, hey, look at this. Looks like it's a new world record. And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, you hear that all the time. Oh, sure it is. You know, it's a nice bull. And then I look at the picture and I'm like, and that's a really nice bull. And then here you, here we go a few months later and actually several months later and it's an official new world record. So uh, congratulations to, you know, did you know that bull was there? Were you hunting that particular bull? Uh, we were hunting for him. Uh, we knew he was there since about 2017. We got some, uh, pictures of him and whatnot, but, uh, yeah, he was always pretty nocturnal. You, all the pictures were always at like in the wee hours, like that two to 3 AM type thing. And just passing through our area, never, ever seen him in, you know, in the light or seen him with our own eyes until this year or 2020. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so you had an idea. Did you have an, I mean, obviously that's a big bull, but did you have any idea that, that that was a potential world record? No. Yeah. That's, um, 
you're just like, hey, I see this monster ball. We're going to target him. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so tell us about some of your tactics. How did you go about You, you knew he was around coming through. Weren't seeing him during the day. What were some of your tactics? Well, tactics were just grinding out, um, hunting, you know, just hunting. I hunt with uh, three of my other boys usually. Um, the hunting isn't far from our house. Uh, my one boy lives right where we killed him. Um, he has a farm there. So, and I've hunted there my whole life. So I know they're okay. really good. That, that's exciting, you know, because not everybody has a, an elk like that in their backyard. So how exciting for you to be, you know, for this to be your home turf. Yeah, and like the elk, historically, up till about probably 10 to 12 years ago, there was no season for them. And then they opened one for just bow hunting and general and it's it's a general tag you can buy bow hunting and it's good for cows and or you know anything from spike up so it's good for uh, cows and or world records jason <laughs> yeah well that, you know i mean if, if you had to choose between the two i think i'd go sean's way i don't know yeah well you know i mean luck has a way of finding people who put in the effort well, that's the thing. So, like it, say, we grind hard for them. I'll give you that. Yeah. And then what's your preferred method up there for, uh, are you guys spotting stock? Are you tracking? Are you stand hunting? How, how are you guys doing it up there? Well, historically, it's run and gun. I mean, go out in the mornings, and these elk move around, uh, you know, probably the better part of about six miles. And it's it's kind of farmland broken up with, you know, allotment of bush would probably be like the biggest ones would probably be like that 600 acres of pasture being some cattle sometimes in there too. Um, probably 90% private land and 10% public access, like a DUs and that. So access is huge, but like I said, I'm, I've lived there my whole life and we do run cattle up there. So we got a bunch of our own land kind of thing, which helps. Right. Um, but yeah, they move, so we just basically go out in the morning and we do, you know, locating bugles and see where they are. Usually they'll bugle back to us, and then kind of if we can get into them, we get into them and try to hunt them by calling. Gotcha. But, Excellent. Well, that's, um, you know, I mean, that's the way to do it, and especially where you're plugged in like that, it sure helps. But, you know, some people think, you know, like I say, just luck or whatever, but that's that's years of preparation and it's knowing the people that you need to call when 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 you're one landowner off, you, you gotta have that next guy's phone number in your phone so you can get a hold of him and uh and get it done. So what other kind of hunting do you guys do up there, Sean? Whatever moves. <laughs> no. I, I I basically hunt and trap uh, year round. I, I do uh nuisance uh beaver trapping for the county like pretty much all summers um i got a registered trap line up north so i do that in the winter um we hunt geese ducks and geese and and deer antelope when we get draws moose and elk um just season to season basically hunt that's pretty good and and the area that you're in up there i'm fairly familiar with it and it it to me is a lot more typical of what in my mind would be moose habitat and what you think of for elk is it you know with the broken you know bush patches and and fields and and draws and ravines and 
it just to me has always seemed seemed a lot more moose-like than what what I would expect elk to be in. Yeah, like I said, historically they, I don't know. I found when we had a dr- couple drought years, and I found elk horns and buffalo skulls in some of these big dried out water bodies. Um, never d- had them dated, but they were all you know. So you could see they were there years ago. Um, right. Up until about 20 years ago, we didn't really have per se elk or bears, but now we have them both. Um, I don't know if it's the forest fires up north that's moved them or they just follow that river corridor and they came back down here. I'm not sure what brought it on, but. Well, it's sure nice to have them. They're great to see. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't get to hunt them, they're still nice to see. And then if you get to hunt them, that's even better. And then if you hunt them and you kill a world record, I, I can imagine that's probably the pinnacle. Yeah. So oh, it's, it, yeah. What, what's now that you shot a world record elk, what's your next thing? How are you going to top that one? Probably won't. I'll just keep grinding and hunting and enjoying myself. <laughs> like I said, every, every third gets lucky. That's all I did. I was in the right place at the right time. And it, I mean, the animals is what it is. I, and that's the reason why I scored them and, and got the, I don't know. I, I kind of wasn't going to get it scored or anything and just try to keep it hush hush. And, you know, just for the pressure and the people and whatever else, but, this animal is like spectacular and I just wanted to do him justice basically. Yeah. You know, you Jason, know, that's what our record program is, is about is, is honoring the animal and something like that. It's just magnificent. And, um, I know I really appreciate you being patient with us. I know this whole COVID thing and the border closure, it, it's unlike we've, anything we've dealt with at Pope and Young. And so Roy Grace and, and, uh, Eli Randall, our, our guys there at the office, you know, they were, they were doing anything they could to try to figure out how to get a, a special panel put together for you. And we really appreciate your patience um, letting us work through that. It's, it's been an interesting time. Jason, well, it's I, interesting for everybody. Jason, yeah. I love, I love the difference in mindset that you hear from some guys. Cause you know, when we asked, when you asked Sean, uh, did you ever expect to kill world record? He said, no, absolutely not. You know, then there's some guys who say, well, you know, I, I didn't think it was a world record, so I didn't shoot, you know. Uh, so you just hear that different mindset. And then you've got guys that immediately say, well, I'm going to go after the next world record mule deer. And then Sean's like, well, I'm just going back to hunting, you know. Uh, you know, no, yeah. no special plans here. So I just, I love the different mindset between guys like that. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's neat to see that, hey, as long as you're out there, you've always got a shot. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's you know, exactly you, it, yeah. Of all the people we've talked to and all the world record holders, you know, Dylan, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think we've talked to a single one of them who got a world record animal sitting on their couch. Right. No, we haven't. One was close. Yeah, so, yeah. So, it's um, you know, it's nice. It's nice to just get out there and, and, you know, here's a great example. Get out there. You never know when your shot's coming up. So, how's that? I know it's affected us with Pope and Young and with this panel measurement for your, your new world record. How else is this border closure affecting you guys up north? Well, prices on everything are skyrocketing. Uh, for me, I live out on a farm, so I don't know. I don't really do too much in the town. So, to me, it really hasn't affected me a whole bunch. Um, okay. I would have liked, like, as far as the, the hunt went and everything, I would have liked to have had that animal scored a little sooner. I was more concerned about shrinkage than anything at all. That was my right. biggest concern was, you know, he was shrinking. But 
just kind of left them down on the basement floor and where it's cooler and and yeah it actually well i guess you probably heard that it actually went when it went to the panel it actually grew two inches from the original score you, you know what i heard that but it's a good thing for other people to hear because there's a there's a, a big fear of a lot of folks that, oh, I'm going to send my animal to panel and it's going to shrink. And I, I can assure you, I've, I've only been to two panels now, but I was in Reno, I was in Omaha, and, uh, you know, those guys just want to make sure we get it right, whatever that number is. And so it's, it's nice to hear, as long as we're getting it right, that's the main thing. Yeah, like when we first killed it, we, we kind of scored it on our own a couple of times, like, when I say a couple, probably 30. <laughs> yeah. And we were, we were always within a, you know, we were light on the, on the record. I mean, it was huge and it really didn't matter. But as far as the record went, we were, I think the record was sitting at, what was it? 442. And we were scoring it out to about uh, like 435 ish type thing ourselves. So even when we got it like officially, you know, by official scores here in Alberta, um, they come up with, you know, they were at 447. So that was, yeah, that even surprised me. Even, yeah. you know, because usually when you score it and then the official guy scores it, it's like, oh. <laughs> but you, you know, we see some of that because I'll, I'll, have, I'll have guys show me this. Hey, look at my 200-inch mule deer. And uh, then, then they score it and it's, you know, 158. So <laughs> that happens quite a bit. I think uh, – you know, they talk about ground shrinkage when you're walking up to an animal. They Sometimes they seem to get smaller. I'll bet you didn't have that problem with this one, did you? No, I like, we're quite amazed when we found it. It was just like, there's me and two, or my two boys were with me. And there was not even a word said. We just basically stood there and looked at it and just like, holy, <laughs> just like, wow. I mean, we had been chasing it for two weeks and seen it live and knew it was a giant. But until it was laying there in front of you, it was like, surreal yeah this one this is one of those very few that gets bigger the closer you get no yeah no it was amazing when we did yeah well that's fantastic so you said you're 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 chasing anything that moves out there you know bow hunting and and birds trapping what do you consider your favorite uh geez i don't know I would say probably like the bow hunting, chasing the elk because the elk are so vocal and, you know, they really get you pumped up. I, I do enjoy the birds too because there's so much action usually. You know how bow hunting is. Sometimes you can go a whole season without even getting to pull your bow back. So <laughs> uh, yeah. I love doing it and I love being out there. Like we got good opportunities here, thank God, for bow hunting. So, you know, we can get a pretty good season going and and you're seeing them, but you're just trying to close that distance usually pretty big yeah yeah no that's good that's um I, i'm i'm one of these guys i like it all too I'll, I'll bow hunt bird hunt whatever there's a season for i like to to get out as as much as time allows yeah no um like really like whitetail too and probably spent the you know the most part of my life hunting whitetails so okay yeah and what uh do you have a pretty good trophy grade of, of whitetails up in that area uh, up until the last few years, we had kind of a die off here and our numbers are way down, but yeah, no, we have real good white tails historically. And nice. that's probably the best part of our area was good for white tails. 
Okay. And the old deer are pretty decent too. So will you, should we be expecting another uh, world record coming out of your area up there? Maybe a whitetail next? <laughs> yeah, hopefully we've had the good conditions in the last few years to, you know, to get them growing and they do have the potential, that's for sure. Yeah. Nothing would surprise me after this. Oh, I'll tell you what, that's so neat. I, I love hearing about that. Any, uh, any idea when the borders are going to open so we can come up and join you? Oh, your guess is good as mine. Boy, I, you know, I, I'm not a good guesser because last, I missed my spring season up there last year for snow geese. And I told everybody, okay, you know, I'll see you in October. October came and went, borders still closed. And now all of a sudden it's approaching the next time I should be up there for, for spring geese and, and the borders still closed. We don't, it's not going to open in the near future. And we're just hoping it over, opens up for, for this fall. Yeah, everybody here is the same way. We're everybody just hoping and waiting for something to open, but I don't know. It's not looking good, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I do have quite a few friends up there, and a few of them were rubbing it in. They said, hey, it's sure nice to burn hunt up here without all you Yankees messing things up. <laughs> uh, lots of birds for everybody up here, it seems. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Lots of, so, not too many of the locals uh, spring hunt here. Like, very, very few. Yeah. Yeah, you run into quite a few people in the fall, but in the spring there's there's not too many. I think everybody's kind of moved on by then. Yeah, and then you got the farmers that are getting ready to get in the fields and whatever else. So everybody's kind of busy it seems. Yes, sir. Yeah, and those uh and the days are so long that it, it it's you don't realize how hard it is to hunt until all of a sudden you know, your your standard day in the fall is only so many hours long and then you get an extra I don't know, seven hours, I'll bet, in the in the spring. And and if you're really hitting it hard and, and spotting and, and everything, it, uh, it, it makes sleep a real rare commodity. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it gets to be more of a grind than anything. <laughs> and especially yeah. if you're killing a lot of birds during the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got uh, Reno coming up here in July. And, you know, we're sure hoping that, that they get that border open because we would love to see you and that elk at our convention. I know we've got a heck of a display coming up for that. We get vendors and everything else, and and people have been asking, "Hey, is that elk going to be there?" And, and uh, you know, not if they don't open the border, it won't. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I don't know. I it just like you said. I thought it would be open long ago, and it just keeps variants and whatever else. And, I don't know. It seems more yeah. political to me than I don't like. If I talk about it, I get enraged. So <laughs> I I understand that one. Yeah, yeah. At least at least you're on the right side of the border. I'm I'm stuck down here. So yeah, I can you get up there. A, you got it pretty good where you're at. I think Kansas. We, seems like they're we, killing a lot of big animals there. So what's um what's on your list? If you look at hey, this is my bucket list. This is. You know, I'm, I'm shooting deer and elk at home and birds. What's what's on your list? Is there something you're like, I just need to go chase that? Uh, I've done a few hunts. Like I went and killed a Marco Polo and an Ibex in Kyrgyzstan. Uh, wow. I'd like to go to I'd like to go to Turkey kind of thing for Zor Ibex. Um, that kind of stuff interests me because, well, like I love hunting here and I do it all the time. So when I get the opportunity to go somewhere, that's kind of you know, it's always on my mind and I'm getting a little older. So 
guy can only do that mountain hunting for so long and <laughs> it gets to be more like work. Of that stuff, which one of those has been your favorite if you had to single one out? Probably the Marco Polo was the one that I really wanted to get. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty cool. We, I've been down into Wyoming a couple times, antelope hunting, and I'd like to do that again, but probably New Mexico I'd like to try. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of good options. I know you guys have some pronghorns down in the south there. Uh, got some friends that have, have been able to hunt them down there a little bit. Yeah, we do. Uh, we got pretty good populations, but uh, the draw times here are probably the better part of 12 to 15 years. Yeah. It's few and far between. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough when you don't have have enough opportunity. You know, some guys are, are lucky. They, they draw the tags every other year, it seems like, and then the rest of us are sitting around waiting for our points to build up so so we get it. Yeah, that's the thing, unless you hire an outfitter. I mean, we could even hire outfitters and go, but I don't know. It's just, I've killed probably three or four antelope, three or two more, five probably with that uh, Wyoming antelope. So Yeah. And how has how's your experience been traveling from Canada to the U.S. to hunt? Has that been a, a good experience for you? Yeah, really good experience, yeah. Um, good. Good blown away by the people down there they're friendly and you know it just actually like the animals in in wyoming probably outnumbered ours 10 to 1 i couldn't believe like the population the game populations they're amazing between the deer the elk um you know antelope is just amazing that's that's good to hear yeah yeah and uh border, border crossings weren't ever too bad were you no Coming back, we uh, uh, the the border guard was in like coming into Canada was a hunter, so it was good. He was like, "Well, what do you guys do?" And, and we told him, and he was just excited about it. Wants to be the edge, and it was really good. Yeah, nice. You know, it's I think a lot of times it's the luck of the draw and who, who you get when you cross that border. Because I've had some yeah. great ones, and I've had some that were were just man. I'd rather have a root canal than talk to that guy again. Yeah, even coming back into Canada the last time from Kyrgyzstan, we landed in Toronto. And coming back into our own country is more of a pain in the ass than anywhere it was. They were just anal. And, I mean, going, we brought back our trophies with us, you know, plus the firearms. And they, it was the most anal crossing I've ever been to. And we weren't impressed, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Toronto's not much of a hunting area. So, I guess you don't see too many guys there, but follow your passion kind of thing yeah you guys are definitely i've been over a pretty good chunk of canada and you guys are spoiled in alberta i think the people and the, the territory there and and uh you guys have it pretty good yeah we do we got it. it's pretty amazing here because the land, you know we got such big land with there's not a lot of people living around and i've guided uh white tails for probably oh i think probably about five to seven years and all the guys that come from the states there they were amazed at like how big the land was and you know what we could hunt and where we could hunt and they're just blowing right away <laughs> it's just like yeah. wow <laughs> yeah yeah so what's your next big adventure <sighs> not sure we'll see what see how it rolls uh, like i said we'll probably go on a few spring hunts here um usually spring hunt for bear okay um, 
geese and yeah, I have nothing really in the, in the plans. I kind of like to play it by ear and like with the border closures, I don't even want to get excited about anything right now, like anywhere. So it'll yeah. be hunting around here. And just, yeah, just hunt. Well, that's pretty good. You know, I mean, if you just have to hunt around home, just hunting where you shot the world record is probably not a bad way to go. No, oh, we'll be back up there in the fall for sure. Yeah. Excellent. Well, uh, you know, one question that we ask all of our all of our guests, Sean, is what is one thing when you're out in the field, what is one thing that you have with you that's maybe a non-traditional item that, that you can't live without when you're out in the field? Uh, that's a good question. I like my hat light because I'm usually traveling in or out. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that's probably what I'm going Okay. I've I've come into uh, like guys usually traveling in and out of your hunting areas in the dark and to me it's invaluable. Gotcha. That's a good one. We haven't had that one before, Dylan. Nope, that's a brand new one. <laughs> I like it. We'll we'll add that to the list. What's everybody else's? Uh, you know, uh we've had everything from uh, earplugs. I think Frank Noska said he takes earplugs because he wakes himself up snoring. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, you know everything from just just Advil and and uh, you know I think my favorite one is still uh, Justin Gordon. He shot that great big velvet mule deer buck, and uh, he said when he's backpacking he he takes bacon so that he oh. gets to treat when he's out there. And I'm like you know that's I I can go with that. I'm I'm kind of a bacon guy, so. But yeah. we've, had, we've had a lot of good ones, you know, and it's so neat because we're, you know, we're talking to people that like yourself hunt all over the world and, and have, have been successful and are, are, are out doing it. And uh, it's just, an, it's neat to hear what everybody, what everybody likes to do, whatever like has to, likes to have along with them. Yeah. I guess every hunt's different, you know, dictating, like if you're in the, if you're a mountain hunting, then I don't think you need a good pair of boots like your feet go on you and you're done <laughs> so good worn in boots is usually that for but yeah every hunt's a little bit different it seems that but i i would so, put my hat light as number one <laughs> all right well that's pretty good are, are you uh I, I just i assume now shooting a world record you've probably got people calling you saying hey use my hat light uh no never got any of that okay like well, that's after this, you never know. Somebody might call you up and say, hey, we want you to use our hat light. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And so for uh, for the folks out there that, that maybe haven't haven't run across a, an elk that size, what tips would you give them? To run across it or to find it or to what? Yeah, just, you know, when, when people are out there, what what are what are some tips that you give give other hunters? Well, I guess the first thing is being out there. If you're not out there, you ain't going to kill it and you ain't going to see it. So that's number one. Um, for our hunting here, I guess it would be just like, you know, scouting is, is huge. If you don't know they're there, you're not going to kill them. Yeah. I, to me, it's just the grinding is just being out there and doing it. Yeah. Um, so So many people hunt, but so many people don't hunt in my world. Like, a lot of guys hunt the season and then they're done and then they just 
you know, season hits again and they're back to hunting. But to me, I'm hunting, I'm hunting 365 days a year, basically. And I'm thinking about hunting and, and hunting. <laughs> so absolutely. I, I don't know. I think it's a passion and it's just something that you got to, to find, you know, you just got to be out there and doing it. And some of these animals, people will never see in the, during the light. So if you're not scouting game cameras or, you know, they're, invaluable tool nowadays some people you know talk about ethics of them and whatever else but like i said that elk we'd get one or two pictures of them every year so as far as the camera we knew it existed but i mean the camera wasn't it was a great tool to know it was there and the potential of it but yeah yeah do you have a certain camera that you like is there one that works uh, no, I, got lots of, I got lots i don't like but Okay. Well, we won't mention those. <laughs> no, I don't really have one. I like. I'm not uh, like I. I've, I've tried them all, and I've made a big round. And I come back into the like I'll buy them off of Amazon or whatever. Some of the cheaper ones seem to work better for me. I'm, I've been disappointed with a few of them. Just put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I haven't found my groove yet with with the camera thing. I I seem to have. Uh, issues where where I don't know if I'm not setting right or something, but finally I got to the point where I just put two cameras up at each spot just to make sure I get pictures. Yeah, no, that's agreed. Yeah, it's just it's kind of frustrating when you go there and you see tracks all around and you have no pictures and you're like, what the heck? Yeah, and yeah. Picture quality sometimes is so lame that you can't see and yeah, lots of issues. Yeah. So Dylan, we don't get to talk to a world record holder every day. What uh, what questions do you have for Sean? You know, my question is, um, and I think I asked um, Justin Gordon this as well. But uh, when you see that, like when you understand and realize this is about to happen, um, you know, I'm about to get to harvest this giant. And of course, you didn't know it was a world record at the time. But when you realize I'm about to get to harvest this giant elk. A, what are the thoughts going through your mind? But also, B, how do you stay under control in that moment? Well, with this one, I had, like, he come. We had seen him and chased him and called him, and he was always with cows, and he just couldn't do anything. We were just too smart. Um, when I when I finally did get up on him, I had I was, like, in a on a blind. It was, like, a homemade blind that I've used for years in a really good trail. And I just, I was set up. We weren't sure where he was. We couldn't locate him that evening. And and then just off to my left, like I only sat 20 minutes or a half hour and off to my left coming down the trail, I just heard some, you know, just something coming. And I looked and I seen the horns and I knew it was him. He just basically come out and stood and looked for the better part of three to five minutes. Um, initially, like I was like super dupe, super excited, but I had the time to, to calm myself down. <laughs> So that really helped. Um, the thoughts going through my head were just, just you know, I need, I need to forget about the horns, concentrate on making the shot, just concentrate on the body and don't look at those horns again until I had to make the shot. So, and I mean, he had to, like there was no shot where he initially was. He was about 35 yards, but like I couldn't move. He, he well, he didn't have me pinned because he didn't see me and I had his win. So I was good that way, but it, like to draw, I couldn't do it because he would have, you know, he would have sensed the draw. 
So I had to wait till he, you know, walked probably a good another. He had to walk another 20, 30 yards down the trail. And I'm, that, that, that's another thing is like, hopefully you're going to come straight. Don't turn. Don't turn. <laughs> so everything just played in my favor. Just got lucky, basically. And, and in that moment, from the first time you saw him to when you actually got to let that arrow go, uh, what time frame was that? Oh, I'm guessing close, the better part of five minutes, three to five minutes. Okay. And, and all that time was just taking them, all, all that seemed like a month and a half, didn't it? You know, it, it seemed like a long time, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and then you're just like, well, there's so many things that are going on in your head, right? It's just like you're concentrating on the shot. You have to make this shot, and you know, and then you you can't like where it was. It's a trail that I always used for whitetail, and like I've sat it numerous times, and I knew exactly where he had to be before I could draw, and you know, and I'm just hoping that numerous times animals that come out on that trail, and if they veer off to the side, it's on a side hill, and then they go down, and then you have no shot, and so. <laughs> So there's a lot of things going on in your head <laughs> and the time. Yeah. You're just like, Oh, come on, move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately you're, you're able to get, get calmed down and, uh, and make a good shot. So that's, uh, yeah. that's sure exciting when it comes together like that. It's just, it, it's amazing. Oh no, for sure. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been in on a world record, but but even when it comes together on on something a lot smaller, I I just look at it and I'm like, you know, there's people in the world that have never experienced that, and I I feel oh, sorry exactly. for those those folks. Oh, you're exactly right. Like it wouldn't matter if it's a world record or if it's just like a just a nice bull or whatever. But everything's got to work out, and and you know, bow hunting is just it's it's a time consuming sport, and you got to be out there doing it and everything's got to be perfect. It seems to me to, you know, to make it work. And people don't understand that people just think they're just going to grab a bow and go out and hunt. Well, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a little different. And, and like you say, wow, you just, you know, got lucky. Well, you know, you got lucky from working 365 days a year to put yourself in the right position for, for that shot. So. Yeah. Like I said, we, when we went in after me and my oldest son went and we kind of broke up, tried to locate him and he wasn't bugling that evening. So we, uh, you know, we were already in. So I said, well, we might as well find a good spot to sit for the evening and just try to cow call or maybe we'll hear him or we can go in after him. And yeah, he just, I was, I picked the lucky spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, uh. How were your boys about that? Were they, you know, congratulations, or were they like, "Oh man, Dad got lucky again"? <laughs> no, they were, they were pretty. They were, we're just happy that one of us got it because you know there is pressure in the area too, so um, makes it pretty tough. Yeah, how exciting to be to be there and make it a family event. Yeah, no, it was like I said, since the, my boys in twelve, we basically. Uh, I used to rifle hunt every year up in the Peace Country, Peace River. It's like probably five hours from us. So when they were 12, they were taken out of school for a week and they come hunting with me for a week. And so they they pretty much live and breathe hunting too. So That's yeah. Nice. So now they're now they're looking to knock you off the pedestal. <laughs> I don't know. Like everybody would be looking, but I don't know. 
I remember my dad used to ask me, he said, you know, everybody, you should be working. You should be doing this. You're out there looking for shed horns and you're out there doing this and that. Why do you do all that stuff? And I said, well, never know. I might find the next world record up there. Where I had. He said, you got a better chance of getting hit by a Soviet satellite dish. Than I know the next world record up there. He's passed a few years ago, but I wish I could show him now. Oh, man. I'm sure he's seeing it. <laughs> he's, he's probably up there diverting the Russian Soviet. Uh, yeah, he's probably the, uh, shaking his head. How the heck did that happen? <laughs> yeah, that's that's so cool. Now, did, so did your dad not hunt? He hunted, but not to the degree that I hunt. You know what I mean? Okay. He, he hunted for food basically, and that was it. Like you can't eat the yeah. horns. And <laughs> um, my brother was a big hunter, and he took me. He's a little older than me, and he was. Like he hunted, I hunted with him for my whole life, and he was kind of my mentor more than anything I would say, I guess. Very nice. Yeah. Yes, it's good to be around that. Yep. Now, once it's in your blood, it's—I don't know. Sometimes I say it's a curse because I, like, he always told me I should have been spending more time working than, than hunting, and even when I'm working, I'm thinking hunting, (laughs) and it just takes over your life, it seems. You know, when I'm at work, I'm thinking about hunting too, but I work for Pope and Young, so it makes it a little bit easier to justify. Well, exactly. That would be that would be the place to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, some of my board members that are like, well, did, did you get out and kill a bunch of stuff? I said, you don't have the opportunity. I can either, I can either go hunt a lot or I can keep working. And they're like, oh yeah, you better, you better keep working. <laughs> uh, yeah. I know there's a happy mix. You know, the work, hunting, I think everybody has to find their own little, you know, ratio of which is the right amount for for which. You know, some people love to work. I've known some guys that, that they, would, they would rather work than hunt because that was kind of their thing. I think they liked it more than hunting. And then I have other guys that the only reason they work is to make money to go hunting. And so... Exactly. That's it. That's what it's about. When I, when I go to church, when I'm sitting there praying people are praying for money and bigger better things i'm praying for my family and bigger better bowls and bucks yeah that's about it well hey hey sean can you start praying that i would see bigger animals (laughs) for sure i can i I think he's used up his his points there you know i don't know how many bonus points you get but when you're praying for bigger animals and and you shoot a world record i don't know that you've got any more uh, chips left in the game Jason, but, yeah, I'm also thing, gonna I'm also gonna remind you, um, come fall that I found my perfect balance. When you call me if and see if I'm working, I'm gonna say, "Well, Jason, this and this is my balance." <laughs> That's your balance. <laughs> hey, just as long as everything's done before you find your balance. That's all, you know. Absolutely. Well, I think, to me, hunting is just like work. Though the the more you put in, the more you get out. You yeah. Know, all yeah. there is to it, like. Like if you just hunt that little bit, you're gonna get what you get, and you'll get your meat, and you'll you know do what you do. But you got to pass up a lot of animals if you ever want to kill something that's you know that's special. And they call it trophy hunting or whatever they may. But to me, it's it is trophy hunting. But it's it's out being out there every day. Like if you go out and you shoot something the first day, well, you're not gonna be out there every day because you have no tag. So <laughs> it takes something pretty special for me to kill early in any season. Yeah. And I know you're always that way. Oh yeah. 
my one my yeah. one boy's worse than me. He's way worse than me. <laughs> he he, just, he's waiting for the monster. Yeah, he hasn't probably killed a deer in ten years. He just and I mean he's past his like one sixties and whatever. <laughs> he's just like uh That's that's nice if you have those opportunities, you know, and, and especially the patience for that. I don't know that I've got the patience to do that. But I appreciate those that do. Yeah, and like I said, to hunt and teach his own I mean, if that's what you want to do, more power to you. And if, I don't know. If you don't need the meat and you got the time. Like, around here, a lot of people just hunt for meat, basically. And, you know, they're out there just to get their winter's meat. And yeah. Not that they need it, but they figure they need it. Sometimes that's hard on the trophy quality, too, right? Like, they'd rather shoot a small buck than a doe. And I'm like, well, guys, if you want to ever kill a big buck, you can't kill the small ones, right? But... Yeah. Everybody wants to just say, yeah, I got my buck this year, but. <laughs> yeah. There's a, back in the day, I forget the, the name of it, but it was, it was either, you know, when, when you went to school after, after deer season, you're either a yep or a nope. And there was a, a famous cartoon about that. So. <laughs> no, and it, it still holds true um, around here too. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are just out there to kill a buck. And yeah, um, with the COVID, it's, it really, that's a, like you said, another effect is there's a lot of guys with a lot of time in their hands because a lot of guys are working. So our draw system went up, probably bumped it up, you know, a year or two at minimum for wait times because everybody oh. just went back at some of them high priority guys that had, you know, they could have pulled every year, any year. Well, they're starting to pull now because of the COVID and, and the time. Oh, that makes sense. It hurt us. Yeah. For for wait times. Yeah. Yeah, I I did hear that some of the, you know, outfitters up in Canada were offering some some good specials for locals because a lot of their clients are coming from the States and with the border being closed, they they lost a lot of their clients. So they were they were trying to kind of fill the void, if you will, with, with some uh Canadian hunters. So yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, lot of ads with even like we got this Alberta Outdoorsman kind of a local forum kind of thing online. Somebody had posted up, you know, a bunch of hunts that guys are trying to sell because of they call them cancellation hunts and whatnot. So, I mean, you can go kill a bear for under three thousand dollars if you wanted to pay a guide. Um, yeah, some of the hunts are still quite high, but I've been kind of watching for. Uh, I want to go on either a stone or a doll sheep hunt. So I've been kind of watching for if I, you know, something that I could afford type thing. But last year, there yeah, was they, nothing. No, they, they don't give those away either. <laughs> no. Well, we're, we're looking to have, you know, if, if you haven't filled it by July, keep an eye out for our, our auction. We'll, looks like we're going to have a stone sheep, a doll sheep, a desert oh, big and, and so we've got a pretty good lineup of, of hunts on our auction. We've got some pretty good raffles coming up. So keep an eye okay. on those. And, yeah, no doubt and I'll we'll, be buying for sure on them auctions. Yeah. I, I usually, and it's going to a good cause. So I've got no problem Absolutely. with that kind of stuff. I'd like to, I like to give money to that. It makes me happy. Absolutely. And, and we like giving money to it. So we're out there working for bow hunters all across North America. So um, we we appreciate the support. And uh, and once again, Sean, 
you know, thanks for uh, thanks for taking some time with us today. Um, really appreciate, like I said, your patience getting through the the special panel process. I know with the border closure that that took a lot more than what it usually does. So really appreciate you working with us on that. And and I'm I'm hoping to see you in Reno this July. But if not, um, plan on making the next convention because because there's a lot of people want to see that ball. Yeah. If, if I don't make it down there and you're up in Canada, give me a call. You're more than welcome. Come over and have a look at her. Whatever. Even come hunting. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. That sounds good. I, I'll tell you what, if the border's open, I'll be up there this month. So. Okay. No, it sounds so, good. Yeah. Well, uh, Sean, like I said, thanks so much. Appreciate you joining us and uh, continued luck to you and your boys up there in Alberta and, uh, and across the world, wherever you happen to be. All righty. Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs>